Welcome to Author News Weekly, the weekly news show by authors for authors. We read the news so you don't have to. Join our panel of best-selling authors each week as we take a deep dive into the publishing world, both indie and traditional. Author News Weekly. Yeah, whatever. Welcome back to Author News Weekly. Uh, A&W, it's kind of a kind of a, 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 a copyrighted name, so we try not to say that too much, but it is what it is. Uh, let me get ready and introduce you to our panel this week. Uh, we are joined, as always, by Pippa Warner. Hello. Additionally, we have uh, Nick Dacker. Hello. And our usual third member, uh, Jim Heskett, is actually uh, uh, trying to get himself out of being kidnapped by the aliens that the American Airlines flight saw. So we brought in a pinch hitter, the author of the Dan Kotler archaeological thrillers, as well as one of the honchos of Drafted Digital. He's usually living his hashtag uh, van life. But he decided to bring it indoors for us today. The word slinger himself, Mr. Kevin Tomlinson. Man, that intro. I should have written. I, I, I need you to write my bio from now on, man. I got Didn't you, man. You know. agree, though, that it's, it's pronounced archidological? Didn't we say Archidological is, yeah, that's the, uh, the, the <laughs> official professional pronunciation. Well, there is nothing, nothing professional about me, gentlemen. And that's why I muff that when I say it. <laughs> Uh, so before we get started, you guys know I usually have these crazy questions bouncing around in my head. And so this one, I think, is, is right at the forefront. Uh, since the American Airlines flight may or may not have saw aliens, uh, are aliens real? Are they visiting us? What's going on here? Who believes in I aliens? I did not here? see that. All I knew was the United flight that fell apart. But the, didn't Denver. they say it was a cylindrical object that they thought was a missile, right? Mm, mm, yeah. So is it? Is it that it's aliens or is it that we've been secretly uh, launching some sort of – I think, honestly, with the, the, the uh, uptick of private space uh, organizations getting out of the atmosphere, I mm. think we're – secretly there's an uh, effort to get a bunch of people off the planet. That's what I think is happening. I think we're Bezos the is actually ahead of Elon Musk. He's just That's not publicizing I, any of it. I think they're they're further along than they than I think that the whole SpaceX program is a subterfuge. I think they're it's a smokescreen so that we don't question how far along this program is. Anytime anyone gets close, Elon Musk just tweets something Watch. completely batshit. And- Exactly. Like you got Doge. Well, you got Richard Branson, uh, you got Bezos, you got um, Elon Musk doing all this stuff with space. And Bill Gates is just sitting there going, uh, you know. I, Man, I didn't even become I'm, Batman. I'm a terrible billionaire. <laughs> That's the thing. Have you ever seen Batman and Bill Gates in the same room at the same time? I think I not. have. Okay. No, but to be fair, I've never, I've never seen Batman and Pippa in the same room either. So there's no telling. Do I look like a cop? <laughs> Evan just admitted oh. to being, being Robin to Bill Gates and Batman. So. I'm not wearing hockey pants. <laughs> All right. So with no further ado, before we go down this rabbit hole, let's get into the news. Okay. I don't, I don't know why it doesn't just play that when I click the – it's got a checkbox that says autoplay, and every time it's like it mm. wants to screw with me. That is, is that the, okay. Is that the first story? Is that the That's first the story first we have story. to cover? Yeah. Why? No, is, 
Nick's shit not work? It's a, it's a good question, you know, but it's all right. It's we'll, not really we'll, news, though. <laughs> it's, just, it's kind of a running theme here, but the magic of editing, I'm sure, will take care of us. So the You'd first be surprised what how little editing I, I do. I'd be surprised at what slips into the the end product, huh? <laughs> exactly. All right. So the first story I want to get into is regarding KDP, and now. I'm not going to admit to getting this in my email because we are not supposed to talk about this according to the email if I would have gotten it, but I'm not admitting Mm. that I did. Okay. Mm. They are now inviting people to a private confidential beta uh, about some new printing options that KDP is going to be coming up with. Now I'm not entirely sure what's going on. Uh, If I did get the email, I may or may not have just ignored it and waited until other people took the hit and tried it. But what are you guys uh, anticipating this is that they're so excited about? Uh, Kevin, you're the you're the guest here. Man, you go first. What do you think is going on here? I mean, I I think they're probably I don't know. Honestly, Uh, I may or may not have gotten a similar email, uh, Mm. but I I I don't really know what their aim is and what they're what could be different about it unless they're getting into sort of a. Um, I mean, this is all for. This is just KDP, so it's not it's not about their print program or anything. So, uh, it, it, it may be more interactive stuff. What's that, Nick? It is. Yeah, this is for. It their, is for, for print? Their hardcover. Yeah, it's for hardcover. It is for hardcover. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I completely misinterpreted that then. So, I wasn't sure how long we were all going to go with the shtick of I may or may not have gotten the email. I got the email, and I'll come clean. And I'm not cool. Talk about I didn't. It, not confidentially. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and I did sign up for it. And all well, it is you know is what? You, you click on the link, and then it's like, cool, we'll let you know if we ever do this. <laughs> Here, here's why I don't know anything about it. I ignore almost every email I get regarding KDP because it's almost always just junk. Uh, but I think if this is about print, uh, maybe they're just opening up, like you know, expanding options and expanding markets and that sort of thing. But I don't know. No, it's, I ignored it. I, I'll, I shouldn't I'll even speak. <laughs> I'll read it if you want. I'll show you what I, it is. I'll have to go find it. Um, yeah. So it's um, they're doing they're doing this hardcover thing. Um, and I uh, from first read, it looks like they are um, oh hardcover back up because it I already That's submitted right. the form. Yeah, it's hardcover. That's right. Um, okay. And so they're back only doing. Yeah, they're all they're only doing um, laminate. I think is that what they call it? Yeah, I don't think it's dust jacket. So they're only doing that like really shitty looking hardcover that I don't ever like unless it's like, like the old uh, chapter books they used to yeah. get. They're doing they're doing books that look like the the quote unquote three D covers that Apple puts on the Apple bookstore. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. All right. exactly. Your cover just stuck right on there. So uh, good times. Pippa, are you excited about that? Even though you didn't get the email, I'm sure we can forward one to you. <laughs> I may or may not have gotten it. I, I just want to point out, by the way, that if I sound like I'm fumbling over the whole thing, I got all these stories like 30 seconds before we started talking. So, yes. See, now, is- this is a moment where I'm going to edit that out. No <laughs> we just want to hear you fumbling over stuff. No one needs right. to know why <laughs> no one needs explanations for any of this uh i i don't know i've uh, the thing is i've more and more been hearing don't go with amazon for printing options only go with ingram only go with ingram only go with ingram so uh i wonder if amazon's trying to give them a run for their money and it sounds like uh probably not 
<laughs> actually, <laughs> based on Nick's yeah. feedback. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, if it, I, I, it was a really quick read, so it, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure they're not getting into dust jackets and stuff. Um, right. right. The reason they've waited so long on hardcovers is I'm sure it's just very, it's, it's expensive. Um, it's always expensive to print hardcovers. The margins are paper thin, huh, pun intended. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, readers don't typically read hardcover as much as paperback and certainly ebook, just generally speaking. And so I think no, Amazon is like, hey, we're just playing catch up. But it's like yeah. getting into the souvenir business, I think. Um, yeah, exactly. They're, they're, creating, they're creating another product that authors can push. I think that's a good thing. Um, I don't think that anybody's going to be able to to bank on this sort of thing as a, a steady revenue stream. Not in the indie author world, I think. Uh, some will, but if you know if you've got a pretty decent following, I would leverage this just to give readers an opportunity to have something more tangible than the ebook, and then offer to do things like signed you know signed book plates or something like that uh, when they show you that they've got it. You know, yeah. I, um, so I already do all those things, and that's kind of where I'm coming from. Like I have on my website hardcover books. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's one of those things where, yeah, it's like it's a souvenir, but there are readers who want that. Right. Um, I just want it to be the quality that you know um, that I know and expect from a hardcover book. And I don't think KDP print is going to ever be there. Yep. If, if they're if they're trying to make money from it, the margins are just too small. Right. Right on. All right. Well. It remains to be seen how that will work out, but that's something interesting uh, to look forward to coming from KDP. Now, moving on to our second story. This is a little different. It's a little on the on the weird side, but uh, it's called The Great Gatsby Glut. All right. And apparently what's happened is uh, The Great Gatsby has come out of you know, all of its rights and stuff. And so now it's, uh, it's in the public domain. And so lots of people are taking a crack at it, uh, trying to write prequels and sequels and different POVs and things like that. And a lot of these are actually getting published uh, by publishers who, I, you know, from the, from the article I read, seem like they're not wanting to have any imagination on what they're publishing and they know Gatsby kind of sells. So my question for you guys is, uh, do you ever read any of this stuff? Does this stuff kind of appeal to you? And if you had to take a crack at a classic and uh, write something in the public domain, uh, well, what would you do? What would you be interested in, uh, 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 Nick? What do you think about this? Um, yeah, so I think it's always really cool to me to see um, stuff come into the public domain um, because it, it just opens up a lot of different possibilities. It gets people excited again about something um, that may not have been, you know, in, in people's minds. Um, I didn't, I like the book a lot. Um, I like the original book a lot. I have absolutely no interest in rewriting it or reading somebody else's version of it. That's just me. Um, I'm not, a, I don't know that I'm a, I'm a fan fiction guy, so I'm probably, you know, not the right person to ask in general because I've never really been interested in fan fiction. The only thing I would be interested in is, um, if somebody could actually come make a good Gatsby movie, finally, like that'd be, that'd be great. I don't think it can um, be done. Not a fan of the Boz Lerman. Is that what you're telling me? Not a fan of the Boz Lerman. <laughs> I just Boz feel Lerman like there's, pick? there's always something missing. Like the, the, the Leo version that came out a couple years ago, whatever it was, um, you know, it was, it was great. It looked nice and all that, but it's, it, I don't know. It's just, it was missing something. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well, looks like that's kind of a, and for anyone who's listening, that isn't, 
aware of what we're talking about. I probably should have said this up front. Uh, things that are copyrighted and the copyright is more than 95 years old, uh, the copyright falls out and people can do what they'd like to do with it. Um, I'm not much of a fan fiction guy either, but I my favorite story uh, of all time is The Count of Monte Cristo. And so I've always kind of thought about maybe some some different kind of takes on that. But um, hey, yeah. I'm with you there. That would be cool. Look, I've if actually you ever using the Mon- Count of Monte Cristo in like a modern format. Yeah, so it's yes. not even the same book. And that's kind of story, you know. Yeah, I think right. that's kind of the yeah. angle we're talking about here, right? Because like, yeah. if you're familiar with Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies, for example, right. that was what that's true. Yeah, uh, that guy did. Uh, it was guy. I don't even know. I don't even Seth, remember who did Seth that. Graham Smith. Seth Graham Smith. Right. I, I, w- I think it would be interesting. Now, you know, I. Uh, Great Gatsby was one of the few books that I was forced to read in, in uh, high school that I actually dug. And uh, that and um, uh, what was the uh, Lord of the Flies, were the, you know, those two books uh, were meaningful to me. My wife actually bought me a copy of uh, Great Gatsby um, uh, as a sort of wedding gift. Uh, right after we got married. So, you know, it's got a kind of a special place. I don't know what I would do to change the story and like modernize it or something, but it could be fun to play around with it in that aspect. I think I would kind of look at that, but, you know, looking through the stuff that's, that's kind of coming out as um, the newly entering this uh, public domain space. I mean, there's like some Agatha Christie books. There's, you know uh, that the book Aerosmith by uh, Sinclair Lewis. That one's got some great sci-fi potential. You know, there's an Aldous Huxley book in here. Uh, those barren leaves. I mean, there's there's books like that that I think um, there is potential for people to take these stories and do something really interesting and incredible with them in the vein of Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies, but maybe even a more serious bent. I, I would be interested in tackling a project like that. I'm kind of now I'm kicking around an idea like what could I do with Great Gatsby, you know, like Mm. how could I turn that into maybe a modern day thriller or something? (laughs) Yeah, no, I I know exactly what you mean. It's uh, feels like the possibilities are. are Well, one one, it says in this article, one independently published version, a variation on the novel include the gay Gatsby. Mm. Um, That's an option for you, Kevin. You could you kind of go that route if you wanted. Mm. I could go that route. Sure. Mm. <laughs> um, I think my favorite is the guy who spent five years writing a novel that he's quoted in this article where he was like, I just assumed it was out of copyright. Then it turned out it was not. <laughs> he was just thinking ahead. That's all. Uh, That's the way to get do ahead it though, right? Game. Yeah. Don't wait until it comes out of public domain. Like get it written before. And then as soon as it does release it. So it's yeah, right like there. The day the it goes into, co- into uh, public domain, you release your. Yeah. Just say, yeah, hey, I got up early this morning. I wrote a book. I'm going to write. Uh, the Grape Gatsby, uh, and it'll go. be uh, a sort of a uh, anamorphic or uh, anthropomorphic uh, fruit thing. There I you think go. that would be. I think the world is waiting for that. Yes. What's, is All, it rule thirty two? Is that what it is? There's porn for everything. Yeah. The Great Gagsby. The Great Maybe. Gagsby. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, we can go places. Let's not go There's there. The yeah, yeah, let's. The, the greatest. <laughs> <laughs> oh man all, all right the greatest gatsby are created equal some yeah. are more equal than others all right let's let's move on here uh let's 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 just uh shine a little bit of a light on some uh 
some process, some craft and some process here. I got this, uh, got this, this uh, link from uh, the David Gogren, uh, who does a great job all the time. Plenty of good stuff to say. And uh, in his estimation, there looks like uh, five stages of editing a book. All right. And he says, you know, editing a book is a complex multi-part process. Uh, that's best handled by professionals. Da, 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 da. Well, we, that might be controversial as we move through this a little bit more. Uh, but I find it interesting that everyone seems to have their own process uh, when it comes to editing. And so I wanted to dive into your guys's process a little bit. Uh, he identifies the five stages as uh, beta readers, self-editing, story editing, copy editing, and then proof editing. And yeah. so, or proofing. And so I was wondering of those five stages, how many do you guys hit? Pippa, how many of those, uh, how many of those stages do you have and what do you omit? Uh, uh, when you can? So I have beta editing, uh, self editing and my self editing cutoff is when I, um, start taking out and putting commas back in like back and forth. <laughs> that is my line. Mm. Um, mm. I've gone as far as I can. Um, and then I would have a copy editing around. However, I have hired a developmental editor for the mm. story I'm working on now. So that will be the a, fantasy, uh, right? The high fantasy. Yeah. You're talking about. Okay. I don't blame you. Complicated stuff. Complicated yeah. stuff. <laughs> I need someone to be like, we, we weren't supposed to know that in this chapter. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yes. Uh, but my favorite so far has been the people that advised me to print out an entire draft of my novel and then just throw it up in the air and take one page at a time and do a tension edit per page. So you couldn't get lost in a, in the okay. flow of the chapter. You could only like tension edit a specific mm. section. Um, mostly because I like the idea of winging an entire ream of paper across the room and just watching it scatter everywhere. <laughs> Make it so. rain. See, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to waste the paper. So I would just, you know, put m all the pages on multiple iPads and throw those. Yeah. I was going to say just, through MacBook pro up in the air, um, <laughs> missing, results, missing not instructions. Re results, not, not advised. Bleeding. Please call hospital. <laughs> I wrote my book on a bunch of razor blades. And threw it up in the air. <laughs> Let's see. Um, what about, what about you, Kevin? What's, what's your process look like? I know what Nick's yeah, going to hear Kevin already. Cause I, I you know, know what I'm um, going to say. Kevin's I know what Nick one too. That I like. I, yeah, I, you know, I've, I've written about editing quite a bit and, and I, I think uh, many people might find that ironic. Um, but I have <laughs> what I call my edit stack, which is, um, I, multiple things, including, uh, software like pro writing aid and Grammarly. Um, I do multiple passes on a, a document. So I use, uh, Dean Wesley Smith's, um, cycling but i call it looping because mm -hmm. i can for some reason never remember the word cycling um mm -hmm. but it's he does this process of writing 500 words if you'll learn about this if you read uh, writing into the dark by the way but uh he'll, he'll write 500 words cycle back edit then write the next 500 words uh i like the momentum of that so i will write my uh that day's word count so you know right now my my target word count is like 2500 words a day minimum so i'll write that and then the next day i read and edit that and then write the next 2500 words so i loop back on that and i'll do that 
if I get to the muddy middle and I feel like I can't go forward, I'll loop all the way back to the beginning and edit all the way up to my start, stop place and keep writing. Um, so I do these multiple passes. I write in Scrivener so I color code each pass. And then when it's done, uh, I run it first through Microsoft Word to do grammar spell check. And then I run it through Grammarly and then I run it through ProWritingAid. And I mean, it all sounds excessive, but it's, you know, it all helps me kind of continuously find and fix things. And then I, I put it in front of my um, street team and let them do uh, the final edit pass. I don't use professional editors. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure there are plenty of people out there willing to say, I knew it. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> the books have gotten better and better. As, as I've perfected this process, I'm getting fewer and fewer people noting any errors. Uh, even my street team has commented that they're seeing far fewer edit, uh, errors and uh, edit mistakes. Um, in, in terms of continuity editing and that sort of thing, um, developmental editing, uh, I have great respect for both the people who do that, use that, and the people who perform that task, but um, I, don't, I don't do it. <laughs> Maybe I should, yeah, but I, I don't. Um, so it's interesting that um, this came up because um, I, I self-publish and have a very similar process to what Kevin's talking about. Um, I actually call it the gauntlet. So once I've gone through and self-edited as much as I can and replaced all the commas that I've previously taken out, um, I, I love that. That's so true. Um, I give it to the, to the street team. And at this point in time, it's about 200 people that are, you know, every single one of them is like an ex librarian. I don't know. That's like a theme for me. Um, they'd find me and they're like, I used to be a librarian as if that's some kind of like, like, okay, cool. You used to be a trucker. Like that isn't okay. <laughs> I guess it implies that they read a lot, but um, that's not really, you know, that doesn't mean they're editors. Um, but they are good at finding typos. They, they are good at finding, um, anything plot hole stuff. Um, I had one book where I chopped off one of the, the, the main character's arms and replaced it with like a cyborg arm. And then the next book didn't mention it at all. And he's like doing normal stuff. And then like the book after that, I brought it back in and somebody was like, Hey, you, you forgot that his arm was missing. You probably should at least mention that. Um, I don't, you know, so stuff like that is, is something that they can catch. And then the it was in the shop. It was in the shop. He was, in the, for that yeah, book. he was getting work done. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's implied. I'm I'm a good writer. It's implied. Um, and then the the rest of the gauntlet is uh, pro writing aid and grammarly, like Kevin said. But what's really interesting right now is um, I'm also finishing up the third book in a three book traditionally published series, the Jake Parker series, because mm-hmm. they thought that that was a really intense name. I disagreed, but. Uh, Jake, we have Jake Parker now, Jake Parker from State Farm, apparently. Jake Parker um, can't lose. <laughs> exa- yeah, right. I love so the Parker he- Lewis reference. Well done. Well done. <laughs> Kubiak. Um, Kubiak's my spirit Kubiak. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Kubiak. No, no, that's fine. Um, that's, see, I'm, I'm far too young to understand all the old man references being thrown around in this, uh, this channel, <laughs> apparently. Um, but that's okay. That's okay. I'll, I'll let you guys own that. Um, what I've learned, though, about uh, editing from the traditional point of view, um, I, I really like it. I mean, I really like the book that I'm able to produce because of it. The developmental editing, line editing is separate, and then finally a copy edit um, has been really substantially improved my writing. However, and here's why I don't pay for dev edits or copy edits and any of that stuff, um, it's too expensive. It's too damn expensive. Uh, I mean, that's really what it comes down to, like... I get it. These guys should be paid um, a, a lot because they're doing a lot of really good work. But here's where it comes down. Here's what 
I'm going to get in a lot of trouble um, with other authors uh, that do it for the art and all that bullshit. Um, <laughs> I'm not in the business of writing the best possible book. I'm in the business of selling books. It's a subtle shift. The best possible book for me is one that sells well and I earn money on. I make a profit on. And it's simply not profitable enough at this point in, in the game for me to, to pay thousands of dollars to edit these books um, because it doesn't make them that much better than if I don't do it. Yeah. I, I'm recognizing mm. that it will make it a little better. Mm. I just, the, 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 the difference in what I'm spending doesn't, you know, doesn't make, doesn't make it up. I, I just think of like James Patterson who said, you know, thousands of people hate the way he writes, but millions of people buy the books. And I, I can respect that even though I can't stand James Patterson's writing. Um, mm. But I, you know, you're talking about that whole minimal viable product idea, and I know that there are definitely authors who absolutely hate that. But um, right, right. you know, you're not writing for those authors; you're writing for the readers. And if the readers love it and they're willing to pay for it, uh, then you're winning. So, yeah, and I think yeah. it also depends on the product or product project that you're working on. Yeah. So, like a lot of my work, I feel like okay, I I know about where this beat needs to be, and I know about where that pinch needs to be. And then every once in a while I come up with a product. I'm like, I have zero idea what I should yeah, be no, doing you're totally here. Right. Yeah. If I was writing fantasy or even really any genre that I'm not comfortable with, I would want that. I'd want that extra set of yeah. eyes and that trust. And it, but right now in thrillers, yeah. I feel like I know thrillers better than any editor I'm going to hire. Um, especially, yeah. often, you know, and often the beta reading really does suffice. Yeah. I, I can't remember who it was who said this. I think it may have been Neil Gaiman where he said, you know, the key to editing is if a lot of people tell you that something is wrong, it's almost certainly wrong. If they tell you how to fix it, they're almost certainly wrong. <laughs> I believe you're right. I think that was Neil Gaiman. <laughs> definitely. It was yeah. me. I definitely said that, but he uh, may have okay. also said that. Never mind. That was um, Nick. You said that. You yeah. said it just now. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Yeah, well, you know, wise. So two things for me to just add. One, uh, I was watching Walter Mosley's masterclass, and uh, he's a, a looper, so to speak, yes. just like Kevin. Yeah. Uh, he he kind of combs over and over what he did before. And I want to say I heard Wayne Stinnett uh, had a same the same kind of yeah. process. So Wayne's got you know, a similar process. Yeah, so that's that definitely good stuff. And I hate to say this because it's going to be on tape, and he's never going to let me live it down. But uh, with regards to Nick's uh, gauntlet, uh, he let me beta read one of his short stories that went in our uh, anthology a couple years back, and it was it was very clean. I actually asked him who edited his book, and he goes, "Oh, nobody. I just have my my gauntlet, and it's effective because I didn't find anything." And I was, "Oh, you talking about mine? Yes, you're Nick. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't sure you were still talking about Wayne or Mosley or whoever. You name dropped like 14 people just a second ago." Nick for all people that I know. Uh the one where uh the the they were in uh the Yeah, what did the I call Arctic that? The, stuff. They're in the yeah, well yeah, they're in retrieving the retrieving that thing crashes. from the plane. Yeah. Yeah, Phoenix. It was clean. Project, that's what I called yeah, it. that's it. I read it and I was like, wow, this is actually really clean. So I'm gonna I'm be well, honest, I you. never let uh other authors read my work before it's published because mm. I don't I don't want to hear anything they have to say. So mm. it's that simple. I, Except for uh, except me. commas. I, get to, I, get to I agree with the comma thing. <laughs> and by the way, because I have this whole edit stacking thing, when it comes to commas, literally mm. everything you can run your document through has a different set of rules for commas. 
Yes. So just put them wherever the hell you want. It's really all it comes down to. I literally have no idea where to put commas and I I don't even try. I will literally run that, uh, run a document through three sets of software. All three sets will give me a different interpret. They will, they will undo each other's work when it comes Mm -hmm. to commas. So, well, it would help if you're not feeding it gibberish in the first place. I mean, how are we supposed to know? <laughs> Sprinkling these commas around like a drunk comma. I fairy. write my books in ASCII. <laughs> <laughs> so what's really interesting, too, about that, that uh, you mentioned, um, I mean, I want to talk about me again, obviously, because that's, yes. that's what I love. Yes, it's on show. tape now, so you can listen to it as much as you want to. <laughs> I will. I'm going to make a soundbite of just that moment. Um, no, so I do remember that. Um, that was, I, I used to write, you know, like an old school technologist um, using a keyboard in my fingers. And um, these days I am exclusively writing by dictation the first time, at least the, for the first draft. And that was mostly due to just, Hey, I have to drive. And so I'm in the car. I might as well just write. And it became sort of this when I'm at my computer, I'm actually editing the stuff that I've written before. Um, And it produces a much cleaner draft because the dictated stuff is garbage for the most part. And I have to go through it line by line and fix it. And that produces a cleaner version than even before when I was writing the first draft using a keyboard. I actually Um, do a version of that with longhand, where if I get stuck, I'll switch format. I'll write longhand, and then I get a first edit as I type it in. I don't even know if I could still write. I don't think I remember. How do you hold a pen? Uh, I hold a pen very badly, but. Actually, you know what's funny? I I broke both my thumbs in, in high school. And so I hold a pin like between my two fingers. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> Put you it don't, away. You don't get this kind of carpal tunnel by wussing out and writing by longhand and dictating, okay? This takes years and years of, of labor. Speaking right. of labor, um, I know somebody who, who typed an entire book on their cell phone, and I'm yeah. looking at him. It sounds miserable. It wasn't that bad. Actually, it was it – was, uh, it, 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 you know, it, it was interesting. It was different. Um, you know, and your pace is a little different, but, um, yeah, actually it was quite comfortable. I would, I would do things like, you know, um, during my writing session, I'd like plop on the couch and lean back and, and just, you know, like text messaging style, just work out a chapter or something. I mean, it was, I, it, it's actually great. And I do it. I still do it to this day. I, um, if I'm, you know, traveling, which I do a lot because hashtag van life, but uh, mm. we'll be say, say if I'm in line or, uh, you know, if I'm indisposed in, in the boys room, um, I, you know, I can get some writing done, get some editing done. So it's not that bad. The sheer amount of autocorrect that my phone does on words that are already words. Makes I will me feel say like just be. <laughs> you must like, turn off phone. autocorrect because I am not. If you think I'm saying ducking right now, then you are seriously. (laughs) In the history of everything, (laughs) I've never said said ducking. ducking. It was never ducking. (laughs) I agree. I agree. I don't even use ducking in its proper sense. There's just no way I'm using the word. So not going to use ducking. All right. Zero chance. All right. Well, Well, I'm going to roll us over to our last uh, story here. Because uh, our wonderful guest might be able to shed some light on these things. Uh, This is from an email from uh, Fussy Librarian. And uh, it was saying, you know, the question was asked, uh, you know, should you sell globally? And their position was, yeah, you should definitely sell globally. uh, And this is why. And so, you know, they're saying that, you know, one in four readers live outside the United States. And 
Uh, their open rates are often better than their American counterparts, which I'm not sure I've noticed in my, my own uh, mail list go out, but maybe you guys will. Um, and it basically it said that, you know, Amazon is not as dominant with the non-U.S. readers. Uh, they get only about 65% of the clicks in the rest of the world compared to 87% uh, in the United States. Uh, you know, and things like that, you know, Kobo and, and, you know, Google Play and things like that. And so they were giving some tips on how to extend your reach. Okay. Uh, and, you know, it's just kind of things we all know. And some of this obviously gets into the KU versus wide uh, debate. But I was wondering uh, if you guys make it a point to sell out. Do you have anything that you're selling wide uh, in terms of your eBooks? Uh, wh- oh, yeah. What about, what about mm-hmm. you, you got stuff there, uh, Pippa? Oh yeah. I'm bringing everything wide at the moment. Actually, I only have one series still left in KU and it's all coming out by mid-March. Same. And now was that, was that a, as a response to just kind of being tired of Amazon in general, or you thought it would be viable to kind of sell wide and get your hooks in a larger different audience. I actually, um, it's, I, I had put stuff in KU because I was going back to a day job, which turned out to be a spectacularly poor idea. Um, but so I put everything on one platform so I wouldn't have to update things in multiple places, ads in multiple places. Um, and I wanted to see what I could do with, um, with wide, but what really sold me on the idea was someone saying bank over rank. Um, and their idea was, and this comes from the wide for the win, uh, Facebook group that you can be a very good seller. You're not ever in the top 10. Um, and you're making, you're just making bank. Yeah. And I love the idea of being rich, but not famous. So mm. there's mm. something that I'd love to try. <laughs> That's intriguing because I used to be very hung up on I wanted I wanted uh, Dan Brown level fame, not mm-hmm. not for not for the sake of fame, but for the bankability of my name mm-hmm. and uh, and the and you know the sort of guaranteed my work will sell. Uh, you know, if I mm-hmm. write a placemat, it will sell and hit the New York Times list or something. But uh, in this in this current age. Uh, where you can, you just basically, you just have a target if you are known. Uh, I think it's probably best if you just stay under the radar. I, I'm okay with being a uh, quote unquote mid list author at this point. But I have to say, what confuses me about this particular article is them saying why you should sell globally. Like, so, like that's not the the wide versus KU thing. It's the who is taking the time when they publish their books to uncheck exactly. all of the international stores? That was the first right. thing I, I thought of. Like you, you sell globally by default on literally every <laughs> platform. So if you're saying, you know what, you know, screw the rest of the world. America is where my books deserve to be. Everywhere except America. Azerbaijan. Make America read again. Um, <laughs> I, 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 that's insane, America. but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I initially sort of interpreted the article as, as a, as a wide versus narrow, uh, distribution. Um, and of course I'm biased on this, uh, coming out of draft digital, you know, uh, and, and represent, uh, yeah. but, uh, the, I think 
the, I, the argument for distributing global is a no-brainer. You should be, even if you are exclusive to Amazon, you can distribute globally. Um, one I don't thing actually is, know how you would stop distributing globally. I think you can uncheck uh, the other oh. markets. But like <laughs> you, you said, you'd have to consciously go in and do mm. that, uh, which is just insane. But, uh, you know, Amazon is actually only available in, I think, at this point, 14 countries worldwide. Out yeah. of two two hundred or so, um, yeah. that number fluctuates because new countries come and go, bizarrely all the time. Um, yeah. But you know that that means that you are missing out on a, a huge chunk of the yeah. of the planet itself. I mean, you know, there and there are English reading readers in just about every nation on the planet. So uh, you can't even use the excuse that I don't publish books in French or German or whatever. I mean, you can still be in those markets even oh, with yeah. English love, you know, English language books. So yeah, there's no, there's no question in my mind. You should definitely be global. So this seems like a throwaway article, fussy librarian. <laughs> well, the real, the real thing that I was going to ask you was I was, I was kind of teeing it up. I was kind of right. teeing it up for you tee, tee because let, let's say that I wanted to get into some of these countries that I can't get into from Amazon. What options would I have <laughs> to get into these other countries that are not serviced say by Amazon? Say to sell in I Germany, mean, Kevin. I, How would you do that? I think the only option at this point is you got to go to those countries, <laughs> hop on an airplane, and uh, and go find the retailers. Uh, or alternatively, you could use Draft Digital. Uh, and sign up uh, with a free account, and get free conversion and free distribution. Now, I'm, now I'm, I, you just lapsed me into DDD marketer <laughs> mode. By the way, hey, I your you know, other blog post. You should do a little slogan that says, "Go with Draft Digital. No Go passport draft, needed. No passport <laughs> needed." Um, get to in, Germany. No passport needed. <laughs> <laughs> in this time when travel is so limited, reach the world. Uh, yeah. So that's. But you know, uh, and I joke. You know, and, and in all fairness, because this is not a DDD sponsored function. Uh, you know, there are lots of aggregators yet. out there that will help you. Yet, yet, uh, they said talking to the marketing guy. Um, Hashtag indie. Indie for independent forever. <laughs> Pedal your wares, sir, but I you'll never like, own us. In fairness, I should mention that there are other <laughs> aggregator services like Smashwords and Publish Drive, and uh, I think there's maybe even another one floating around out there uh, that is inconsequential to me, but might be exciting for you. Um, but the point is, if you're trying to reach a global market, uh, it is completely accessible. I think the the Fussy Librarian article is actually talking about going direct to a bunch of platforms. Uh, which seems like a huge hassle to me, but the upside to going direct is you don't uh, lose out on, well, lose out on your, there's no slice of your pie going to someone else. So, you know, draft to digital, it's a 15% cut of royalty when you sell through us. So if you're trying to save every penny you get, um, then you might go direct. I think for me, the big disadvantage of that has always been, I got to now manage all like, like, uh, you know, the, she was saying earlier that, you know, she went to KU because she didn't want to have to hassle with multiple platforms and multiple ads and, and that sort of thing. Um, I do the same. Th I've always done the same thing. I go through draft to digital because I don't want to have to go to every platform directly. So there. Yep. 
<laughs> There's on. also, I, right I think on. it's, it, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the website, Kevin2Nick.com. Um, I think is it still there? Is that still there? Still there. Oh, of course God. it's still there. It's, it's, it's going to live forever. That site traumatized my wife. <laughs> <laughs> traumatized me too. If you're listening to this, go look at Kevin to Nick. Kevin, at, the number two, Nick.com. Yeah, at your own peril. Uh, as Pippa <laughs> types it right now. Hold on. We're going to wait live and see I her still think, Ooh, Nick, you did it backwards, this. though, because you're. You've, to me, it's more like Nick to Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> we just saw Pippa jump in fear. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's just sure which. disconcerting. <laughs> yes. yes. It's wrong on a lot it of levels. It doesn't uh, – yeah. It, it, there was it, no way to make it concert. It stays with you. We'll just it really sit. does. <laughs> You're going to wake up screaming in the middle of the night. Don't touch the shutter. <laughs> Maybe we'll be nice enough to put a link for that in the show notes. I have to say, though, oh, as someone it. who was around in the early days of the internet, boy, did you oversell how disconcerting that was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I've seen a lot of things, but something about that is it's just a lot for me. It's a lot. For I me. find it. I find it very appealing. Thank you all very much. There's another uh, floating around out there somewhere is uh, I think Nick made an amalgam of our faces. I'm sure I've done that before too. Yeah. Or did I do it? There also is the the 20 books um, had that that strange wolf (laughs) uh, show. No, there wasn't a wolf. I did the wolf thing, but it was. No, no, no. The the, the show they had. There was like a little wolf, like the the taxidermized wolf and like bear Uh, and all that crap they had. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we wanted to bring the wolf home with us. Yeah. um, And uh, and we did. Kevin found a way for that to happen. Mm. I'll I'll put put a link to that as well. Awesome. Awesome. Well, it looks like we are about out of time for awesome stories. So before uh, we... Go. Uh, do any of you have anything you want to wrap up uh, from earlier? Any thoughts, any mulligans from something you missed saying? It does not look like it. Okay. You guys know how I like to end the show. Well, Kevin, you don't, but you're about to find out. All of this business is very depressing every week. We live it in and out, and I'm bothered by the end of the show. So I ask at the end of every show for somebody to please tell me something good. It can be about your books. It can be about your life. I don't care. I just need some good news. So who's got something good for me this week? I'm so so unprepared. Anything. Last time it was Nick was very excited that he got his grass to grow in the lava rocks. We survived snowpocalypse. Uh, in Texas. That's right. That's right. You did. How was it there? Did you guys have a lot of trouble where you were? It was cold as hell here is what it was. I mean, we had no power, no water, no internet for a few days, and uh, it, it got down to nearly freezing inside the house. So mm. uh, surviving that, and, and through a quirk of fate, I had not filled up the gas tank on the van, so I couldn't even use the generator on the van to keep us alive. Mm. Mm. <laughs> so... That, well, I'll never I'm, make that mistake again. But the good news is we lived. <laughs> well done. Well done. Well, I'm glad. That is good news. That's yeah. something uh, very yeah, good to hear. I don't think anyone's going to outdo that. <laughs> no, no. Life and death will give that precedence <laughs> in A&W for the week. I'm well, sorry. No worries. I just want to say before we end, uh, thank you very much for showing up, Kevin. I appreciate it. Uh, I like hearing your dulcet tones. It's been a while. So thanks for coming on and joining us. Yeah, I enjoyed it, man. Thanks. 
Thanks for having me. Awesome, awesome. All right, so uh, for all of us at ANW, I'm R.A. McGee saying this meeting is over. (laughs) 